Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Things That Charlie Did, Episode 18. There's a feeling of complete peace that sometimes can come with the weather. It has to be just perfect, though. That means not too hot, not too cold, blue skies, a gentle breeze that carries no humidity. Unfortunately, the area of Cudad Norte and San Miguel didn't meet those requirements. Spring began to turn to summer, and that didn't mean much in terms of temperature. But the shift in seasons meant a shift in air currents that high in the atmosphere now brought with them humidity from the Gulf of Mexico. A lot of humidity. Staying cool became an issue that everyone had to deal with on a regular basis. Light clothing and shade were a valuable commodity. As construction started on the library, keeping the workers that had been gathered from various small villages around San Miguel and Cuidad Norte became something Charlie was very concerned about. Between worrying about the safety of the workers, supervising the project, and occasionally meeting with Mr. Garcia to discuss how getting to the route was going, he was simply wiped out. It didn't take very long before the land was cleared, except for the station and office. No trouble so far. Charlie found someone to run the station and used the profits for their salary. The situation sort of took care of itself. The need for gas increased with the increased traffic coming through Cuidad Norte. Other things increased too. For example, there was need for more rented room space. A few of the citizens suddenly and hurriedly prepared spare rooms. Some workers stayed during the week and went home on the weekends. Others stayed the entire week choosing to work on their days off, even though Charlie provided two days a week off. He paid those working extra hours generously, and as a result, by mid-May, the building was starting to take shape. Those working on the project swelled with pride as the structure began to take form. As was normally his practice on the weekends, Charlie set those days aside to inspect the construction. He really had no background or experience in such things, but with the help of information Frank was faxing to him on an almost daily basis, he was becoming quite the knowledgeable expert on the subject. Steel reinforcement beams were checked for their worthiness along with any new concrete that had to be poured. Charlie wanted this building to be solid. He wanted it to be built in such a way that it required little to no maintenance, no repairs, preferably. The week following Charlie's current round of inspections, one Saturday had consisted of quite a bit of plumbing work. Checking out what had been done required quite a bit of trekking through the mud, through the back portion of the construction site, that was concealed from the street by rented bulldozers and backhoes. Both were big and bright yellow, marked only by the dark, moist mud that splattered their sides. That same recently overturned earth filled the air with a peculiar aroma that only moist dirt has. Not bad, but not pleasant either. 
It hadn't rained, but the morning dew still had everything damp. That's where he found them. Behind the tracks of the dozer, face down in the mud, were the bodies of two of Charlie's workers. Each had one bullet hole through the back of the head. A nightmare waiting to be discovered had been discovered. Once again, Charlie was looking at death, ugly, real, brutal death caused by another human, murder. In another place, like home, he'd need to be careful not to disturb anything so evidence could be gathered. Not here. This was entirely unnecessary. First of all, there were no high-tech O.J. Simpson trial DNA experts around there. Secondly, they knew who did it, at least who ordered it done, the same people that had ordered the death of Juan, the Santiago's. Keeping in mind that preserving the evidence wasn't necessary, Charlie slowly flipped each body to where they were laying face up. It was the original two men Father Guerrero had sent for Charlie to talk to about rounding up labor for the building project. What had been a good start with no trouble turned into what everyone had warned him about. They were right. When thoughts of what might come next hit him, he suddenly reached to the spot in his belt where he only occasionally carried the small pistol. Today was one of those days when it was easy to say, just forget about it. He had. Did it really make a difference, though? Together, in danger, no fear. His new little saying that it looked as if he wasn't going to Need was becoming something he did need. If together didn't mean his friend, the 9mm, then what or who rather did it mean? The lifeless faces in front of him were still fresh, as though life had recently passed them. Oh, they were gone all right. Their eyes were open, but stared at nothing the expressions on their mud-cake faces not showing pain or happiness, just blank and empty. Whatever it was inside of them before some coward blew their brains out had left. Before him were the empty shells of what was a person, now drained of the force that lived inside those shells and made them not empty, not blank, not hollow. Blood didn't gush from the gaping exit wound, as one might expect. The brain and something white, which Charlie figured was the men's skulls, along with the edges of the wounds, he ached for them. Their pain in death, and the pain that would be caused by the news of their death, they were someone's son, maybe someone's father, and maybe someone's husband. It was time to get his gun now. He kept it back at the station in the office. He quietly walked in and didn't say anything to his full-time employee. No need for this guy to have to feel the pain right now. He tucked the pistol in his pants and smiled and waved as he walked out of the office. No one none the wiser for what he'd done. The first thing he needed to do was get in touch with Garcia, he wanted to do it fast, too. Others may be in danger. 
this was not just a message, but a signal that someone in the Santiago family knew what was going on. The two men that day dead in the fresh turned soil of the construction site were the first two men outside of the original group of Garcia, Maria, Michael, and Margarita. Father Guerrero had sent them. There was no telling who they had told, though, in their efforts to recruit workers. Anyone could have tipped off the Santiago's. It was creepy. Garcia needed to be notified immediately. He debated on whether or not he should just leave the bodies or move them so they wouldn't be discovered by someone else. No one seemed to be working that Saturday morning. His primary concern was for the original five, and he sided with leaving the bodies for the time being. So he hopped in the Jeep and took off for San Miguel. Hopefully Garcia would be there. Hopefully he'd be able to safely talk to him. Once he started driving on that desolate stretch of road between the two villages, it came to him just how dangerous that trip could be. The Santiago's had killed, and they were probably going to do it again if they couldn't be stopped. Just like the original five sought to get to the root, so did the Santiago family. That meant him, Charlie. It wasn't a nice thought, but here he was. The Jeep took the hills and turns quickly. He had that uneasy feeling that he should look behind him and did several times. There was nothing there, though. Given the circumstances, there sure could have been. He made good time and made it to San Miguel without incident. He hurriedly began to look for Mr. Garcia. Hopefully, it wouldn't take too long to find him. Maria was out in front of her parents' house. She appeared to have been jogging. He would have given just about anything to stop and talk to her. It was almost like he needed to, really. It was an overwhelming feeling that he needed to share something so huge with her. Not just anyone, mind you, but with her. He had to resist that urge, though. There was no telling who might be looking at him. There was no telling who might be watching to see what direction his panic led him. In fact, someone might be watching to see who to kill next. There was no way he was going to give Maria away. He fought to keep his eyes off of her and looked only towards Mr. Garcia's house. The blue strobe light was perched on top of his white suburban. He was there. Talking to him was risky, but the Santiago's really couldn't determine that Garcia was in on Charlie's building project simply by him reporting the death of two of his workers. Their conversation was going to be safe this time. Charlie pulled behind the Suburban and quickly made his way toward Garcia's front door. Maria's eyes were burning an invisible hole in his back. He could sense her wanting to talk to him as much as he wanted to speak with her. The vibes between them were as thick in the air as the jungle humidity hanging over their heads. Charlie first rapped on Garcia's door several times gently. After there was no response, he rapped again. 
This time there were fewer knocks, but he rapped much, much louder. That brought a response. Garcia answered the door and a little surprised to see Charlie, he was. In fact, at first, he was a little angry. Running his fingers through his must hair, it didn't take long for his concern about Charlie showing up in broad daylight unannounced to come through. Charlie, the area's only stopping force between law and lawlessness, exchanged pleasantries, then Garcia, without inviting Charlie in, just flat out asked him what he wanted. Let's go inside, Charlie responded. The look on his face indicated to Mr. Garcia that not only was the situation serious, but they needed to discuss it indoors and away from any possible straining ears on this quiet Saturday street. What's wrong, he asked. His eyes were puffy and he hadn't shaved. His peaceful day off was unfortunately ruined. Two of my men, Charlie said flatly. I found them with bullet holes in their heads. Garcia looked down, shook his head in disgust, and crossed his arms across his chest. Who else knows, he asked. No one, yet. The bodies are still there, said Charlie. Who are they? Charlie explained they were the first two men sent to him by Father Guerrero and were responsible for helping locate the workers that were now building the library. This was a detail that disturbed Garcia as much as it did Charlie. Garcia stood silently for what seemed to Charlie like an eternity. He rubbed his thick, meaty fingers of one hand over the day-old whiskers on his chin while leaving the other one crossed upon his barrel-sized chest. Thinking, he weighed the options in his mind. Finally, he spoke. He gave rapid-fire directions that Charlie eagerly soaked up. Okay, first things first, he started. His speech was quick but soft. He used his hands to help illustrate his points, as was his way. We're going to get over there and remove the bodies. Where exactly are they anyway? Charlie explained where they were. The next thing we're going to do, said Garcia, is make sure no one knows about this. That's what they want. They want to scare everyone into realizing they can't help do this. They want people to know that they control this land, no one else. And we're not going to give them the satisfaction. Next, I think you should try to step up the speed of construction. The quicker we can get this thing built, the better. Also, he hesitated now. One arm went back across his chest. The other was free, allowing him to go back to stroking his 24-hour beard. They sent us a message, he said. Let's send them one. What do you mean, asked Charlie. If we could somehow get our hands on one of those goons that patrols the trails leading to their estate, we could give them a message to take back to their boss. Namely, leave us alone or else. Or else what? asked Charlie. Aren't you going to just make things worse? We're at war with these guys now. They need to realize we're not just going to roll over and play dead. They need to realize we mean business. War, huh? asked Charlie. 
war, said Garcia. Let's do it, said Charlie. Just tell me when and how. I've got some ideas, said Garcia. But first you need to take care of your workers. Here they were again for the second time since Charlie had arrived in the small Mexican villages of San Miguel and Cuidad Norte. He and the local law enforcement official were off to view murder victims as they lay in the raw jungle environment. Did he bring trouble with him? Certainly not. It already existed. Did he make it worse? Yes. The answer was a cruel, brutal yes. He glanced at Mr. Garcia, who drove quickly but without urgency. His eyes seemed to be focused on the task of driving, but he was thinking deeply. Charlie could tell. What had he done? They tried to warn him. These people were innocent and trusting. They appreciated Charlie's giving nature as much as he appreciated their trust. Garcia was now entwined along with Charlie and the others in something more than just building a library. A friendship that involved a common cause was developing. Together, in danger, no fear. He needed them and they needed him. Garcia was thinking about what steps to take next that would benefit Cuidad Norte and San Miguel, while ensuring the safety of the people as well. That much was certain. Charlie simply pointed to the construction site when they reached Cuidad Norte. Mr. Garcia knew what to do. They got out of the Suburban and trekked through the mud where the two bodies lay exactly how he'd left them. Mr. Garcia spent the next several minutes surveying the scene. He looked at the bodies in around the area where they lay dead in the mud. They didn't die here, he finally said in a hushed tone. That nonetheless pierced the eerie silence. How can you tell? By the wounds. They're very messy wounds. There's no mess here. Too clean. I see your boot tracks, but that's it. They weren't walking around here. Someone has put the bodies here, then smoothed over their tracks. They definitely were put here after they were shot. Where were they then? I mean, this is where they work. It's the reason why they're staying here in Cuidad Norte. Where else could they have been? Garcia was still looking at the bodies and surveying the area as he spoke. Good question. One thing for sure though, the bodies were put here for you to stumble over. To scare me? Asked Charlie. Exactly. Well, it didn't work. Makes me mad and more determined. Me too, said Garcia. Now came the grim task of removing the bodies. Nothing could make that easy. No amount of agreement or determination to finish what had been started could possibly make the physical task of picking up two dead bodies from the warm jungle mud as brain matter fell from the fist-sized exit wounds in their foreheads easy. They had to pick the bodies up. It had to be done. One at a time, each lifeless form was carried to the back of Mr. Garcia's Suburban. People weren't going to see, though. There was no way to avoid not telling the families 
another thing to dread. But as previously planned, they would try to keep it as quiet as possible. Cuidad Norte had the only mortuary for miles in either direction. The mortician was going to have to know what was going on too. Hopefully he'd be friendly to the cause. Either way, that had to be their next stop. And once the bodies were loaded, they headed there. The mortuary was conveniently located not too far from Father Guerrero's church. Charlie didn't really notice it before, so as not to draw suspicion from the few wondering eyes during the venture out into the mid-afternoon sun, Garcia dropped Charlie off at the station and headed toward the mortuary where he'd park around back. It wasn't unusual for Garcia to check up on the business owners in the area from time to time. His being at the mortuary wouldn't draw suspicion. Charlie would walk the several hundred yards behind the backs of the buildings and meet Garcia as soon as he could. It didn't take long for him to be standing at the back door of the place where the victims of Santiago's last were pampered in this world. When Charlie got to Garcia, the mortician had already helped carry the bodies in. Charlie was relieved. It was that dread thing again. Soaked with sweat, Charlie entered the strange place. There wasn't much to it. It was just so strange. One body lay on a plastic bag on the floor, the other on a table built especially for the purposes of preparing bodies for burial. A stainless steel table that sloped inward on each side to keep the body fluids from spilling to the floor was in front of him. In fact, the table was equipped with its own drain just around where the groin area lay to catch such things. At the head of the table was a stainless block where the head of the former employee of Cuidad Norte and San Miguel's future now lay. The walls of the small room where this work was done were made of tile, as was the floor. A garden hose was attached to a spigot and ready to hose down the room once the mortician's grisly job was completed. The room smelled of chemicals. The funny-looking little man scurried around as if he were excited to have the business. He couldn't have been more than five feet four and weighed no more than 130 pounds. He'd long lost the bulk of his hair. What was left was dry, brittle, and gray. He scurried around, smile on his face, his shoulders hunched slightly forward. He wore a black rubber apron that was tied in a neat bow in the front. The scene disgusted Charlie. Well, do we have a friend here? asked Charlie, referring to the mortician. He said he'd keep things quiet. He'll prep the bodies and see what the families want to do, but he's not going to tell anyone. How can you be so sure? Charlie watched the strange little man as he worked on undressing the first body. Had a nephew killed a few years back. He was 16. Don't worry, this guy's not real fond of the Santiago's either. Okay, so what now, asked Charlie. Well, I've got to call these families. I'm pretty sure this guy had a wife and a couple of kids. Garcia pointed to the body bag 
laying on the floor. You'll have to get their employee information for me. You know, addresses, emergency phone numbers, that sort of thing. Charlie nodded yes. There was that feeling of dread again. There was no way he was going to let Mr. Garcia make those phone calls alone. In danger, together, no fear. Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with things that Charlie did. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.